0: We're so glad that you're watching today, and and if you ever have the chance to come visit us, we'd love to to have you here. We have some of the best people in Visalia, California, right here at Deep Rooted Church. Amen? amen, amen. Thank you guys for being here today. Like I said, you get you guys you guys aren't afraid of a little bit of rain. Amen. It's going to be a good day. It's going to be a good word, and uh, I, I really was impressed to to share this with you guys today. We're continuing um, our our. Our topic of the anointing and we're starting off in Luke chapter 4 this is kind of where we where we began everything Luke chapter 4 verse 18 this is when Jesus this is where he starts his ministry Um, if you don't know the story of Jesus and and kind of his life and what happened uh, he was born in a manger in a little town of Bethlehem and 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 not much was said about him growing up right we really don't know much, and all we know is that Jesus was born in a manger, and he was wrapped in, in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger, and, and, and there there is these men who brought him these three, these three wise men, about, or people think it's three wise men, but it was probably more than just three wise men, and they bring him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. What does a baby have, have anything to do with gold, right? Have you ever thought about that? How come they brought him gold, frankincense, and myrrh? I mean, let alone the gold, what is he going to do with the Frankincense and the myrrh i mean I'm, my my six month old almost seven month old has no idea what any of those things are and and it just goes to show the just the honor that was brought to Jesus as a baby because the Messiah was here, and so after this story i mean you you have a little few stories of his little childhood where joseph they, he takes them to 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 go to the, to the census and to register him as a baby and to register him as a citizen. And, and then after that, nothing else happens. And then we get to the age of 12 and then Jesus wanders off from his parents and goes to the temple and starts preaching. And after he's done preaching, he, he gets found by his parents and his mom was upset with them. And, and do you remember what Jesus tells his mom? Don't you know that I'm going about my father's business? I'm supposed to be doing this. And so the Bible says that Mary, she, she contemplated what he said in her heart. She didn't get mad at him and, and say, well, you're still my son and you need to follow my direction. No, she still, she, she kept what he said in her heart. Something resonated with her. And so after that, we, we don't get any other information from Jesus. He was a baby, then he was 12 years old, and then now he's somewhere in his 30s, and he comes out and he sees John the Baptist. He gets baptized in water. The Bible says that that the Holy Spirit came down in bodily form like a dove, and the voice of God himself came out and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. After this, Jesus, he goes out into the wilderness for 40 days filled with the Holy Spirit. And he's tempted by the devil. And after he he endures those 40 days, he comes out. And the Bible says that the angels ministered to Jesus because he was hungry. Man, I can't imagine that meal that Jesus had. And so he comes out of the wilderness. And this, in Luke chapter 4, is the next story. He begins his ministry. He goes all around the surrounding regions. He teaches in synagogues, being glorified by all. And then verse 16 says, he came to Nazareth and he went into the synagogue as it was his custom. So in other words, Jesus went to church on Sundays. All right, so start developing a a custom like Jesus. Come to church on Sundays. If you're not at church, come to church. He goes to church, and then someone hands him the scroll of Isaiah. And so he gets the scroll of Isaiah, puts it on the podium, and he reads it. And this is what he reads. Verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. I want you to. And I want us to really get a hold, get, grasp a hold of this concept right here. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. In other words, if you have the spirit of God on you, you're anointed. They go together. They're, 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 they're best buddies And they don't go anywhere without each other. They're always together. If you have the spirit of God on you, you have the anointing of God on you. Amen? So the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Now, one of the things that I love about this scripture is that what he's reading is from the book of Isaiah, which we've read before. We've, we've shown you the scripture that says that the yoke, the burden destroying yoke or the burden destroying yoke lifting anointing is what he's talking about right here. That the anointing that's on Jesus is powerful enough to break every burden and destroy every yoke. Amen. And that's the anointing, that's the anointing's job. And Jesus just said, the spirit of God is on me because he's anointed me. So that anointing power to to break every burden and destroy every yoke is on Jesus right now. And that anointing says to preach the gospel to the poor. So that tells me being poor is a burden. Being broke is a yoke. I just came up with that one right now. Thank you, Lord. But being poor, being in poverty, is not a blessing in disguise. It is not a teaching season. It is nothing but a yoke and a burden. Or else he wouldn't have said it. The anointing that was on Jesus was to lift every burden and destroy every yoke. Amen? So if that's the case and he said that, then that means being poor is a burden and a yoke. Then he goes on to say, to, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Being brokenhearted, is that a blessing or is that a burden? Being at home and being depressed and crying all day long and not wanting to eat and not wanting to go out, not wanting to see friends, just being sad all day long, that's a burden and that's a yoke. And apparently... That burden and that yoke is what Jesus came to destroy. Yes. So he came to preach the gospel to the poor, heal the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives. If you're a captive, if you're in captivity, that is a burden and it's a yoke. It's literally a yoke. When you're in captivity, they would put a yoke around your neck and they would to, to guide you around. You couldn't do anything. Your your arms would be locked in. Your neck would be locked in. You had no movement. You were restricted. It's a burden. It's a yoke. Then it says, to recovery and recovery of sight to the blind. Blindness is a burden and it's a yoke. But do you know what's worse than physical blindness? Spiritual blindness. You you would be better off physically blind than you were to be spiritually blind. Being spiritually blinded, you have no relationship with God. You can't see the things of God. And if you can't see the things of God, you don't benefit from the things of God. And if you don't benefit from the things of God, there's nothing at all in this life to offer. But if you're you're physically blinded, you can be healed from that. That's, that's easy in the eyes of the Lord. That, that's, that's as easy as, as spitting in some mud and putting it on your eyeballs and then having a, a, a what is it called when you go to the spa and you get those, those, those mud baths or whatever. Being spiritually blinded is worse than being physically blinded. But either way, Jesus came to give recovery of the sight to the blind, both spiritually and physically to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Oppression is a burden and a yoke to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. The, the acceptable year of the Lord is referred to the year of Jubilee. The year of Jubilee means freedom the year of freedom. All debts are paid. All, all responsibilities are, are done away with. You are a free man. No burdens, no yokes. Amen? Amen? Jesus had the spirit of God on him and he was anointed to lift every burden and destroy every yoke. All of these things that he listed were a burden and a yoke that he came to destroy. All of them. So, if you're living in any of them, just know that Jesus already destroyed those yokes. He already destroyed those burdens. He lifted all of those things off of you. That's why the Bible says, "Cast all of your care on Me, because I care for you." In other words, He doesn't just He doesn't just care for you in the sense of He's taking care of you. He cares for you, as in He'll do the caring. Does that make sense? He'll do the caring for you so you don't have to care. The Bible says, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, make your requests be made known to God. We don't need to care for anything. We cast it on him. He cares for us and he cares for us. And we don't have any care. We don't have any worries. We don't have any anxieties when we do it that way. The worries start to come when we stop casting the care, when we put the care back on us. Say, let me me put the burden back on me, Jesus. Let me put the yoke back on me. But Jesus said, no, I, I, I came to lift it. I came to lift the burden and to destroy the yoke. Don't carry it no more. Don't don't take any more responsibility of that burden because I took it, I purchased it, amen. So that's what Jesus came to do. Now let me ask you something: What's the difference between us Christians, Christ's followers, and the world? There should be a difference, right? We shouldn't look the same, right? There should be a a difference between us and them. I'm sorry if I put it that way, but that's the truth. There is an us and there is a them. Us are the Christ-following, believing, God-filled people, and them are the ones without. There should be a difference, correct? Well, what's the difference? Turn with me to Psalm chapter 92. Psalm chapter 92. Thank you, Lord. Psalm chapter 92. You see, if you, if, you, if you read the Psalms, I believe it's Psalm 73. And it's, it's a Psalm of Asaph. If you don't know who Asaph is, go look him up. It's a, song of, a Psalm of Asaph in Psalm 73. And he goes on this rant about how prosperous the wicked people are and how unprosperous the godly are. I'll just, it's not on the screens, but I'll just read a little bit of it. He says, "'God is the God of Israel, to such are, as are a pure in heart. "'But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled, "'my steps nearly slipped away. "'I was envious, for, of, of, I was envious of the boastful "'when I saw the prosperity of the wicked.'" For there are no pangs in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, nor are they plagued like other men. Therefore, pride serves as their necklace. See, how many of you know that this is not true? He says there is no pains in their death and their strength is firm. There is no trouble around them and they're not plagued like other men. How many of you know that that is not true? It's in the Bible, but it's not true. This was Asaph just complaining and ranting and, and saying things that were just off of his chest. Don't, don't you know that it's not the best thing to just say whatever's on your mind when you're in a bad mood? That's what he was doing. But now I'm sure you have noticed this. Why does it seem like the godly are the ones who are... are fighting things the most. At the world, they just seem like they're having the time of their life. But the godly, they're the ones who are battling the cancer. The ones who are fighting off that. They're the ones rebuking the devil from this. They're the ones doing... We're the ones always fighting, all the time. Have you ever noticed that before? Why does it seem like the wicked are prospering and the godly aren't? In Psalm chapter 92 where I told you to go, it says this in verse seven, it says, when the wicked spring up like grass and when all of the workers of iniquity flourish, it is that they may be destroyed forever. See, look, the wicked spring up like grass and the workers of iniquity are flourishing. Do you know how quickly grass springs up? I just got my lawn mowed yesterday. Saturday mornings, my lawn gets mowed. Monday morning, it needs to get cut again. You ever noticed that before? Grass springs up like that, quick. The wicked, they spring up quick. They flourish quickly. Have you ever noticed that it takes Christians a little longer to, to prosper takes Christians a little longer to, to, to be in perfect health. Have you ever seen it takes Christians a little bit longer to, to be flourishing than the wicked? I mean, you have a lot of 20-year-old worldly people who are way more wealthier than I am. They spring up like that. <clears throat> but Jesus said, and you don't, you don't have to turn there, but Jesus said in the Gospels that the grass is here today and tomorrow tossed in the oven. It's, it grass springs up quick, and it's going to be thrown in the fire tomorrow. So that doesn't last, even though they're flourishing, even though they're prospering, it doesn't last. It'll be gone tomorrow. It'll be gone just as quickly as when they got it. That's because they're like grass. They're like grass. And in Psalm, go go down a couple of verses to, to chapter twelve. It says the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Now, would you rather be grass that's here today and gone tomorrow, or would you rather be the palm tree that's able to withstand Hurricane Hillary? Do you know why the palm tree is able to withstand hurricanes? The roots... But the bend, the flexibility of the tree. Now, if you you try to bend an an evergreen tree or a pine tree, the way a palm tree bends, you'll snap it in half. I, I did that the other day with a big, giant palm tree. If you've ever seen a tree bend like a palm tree, it'll snap just like that. It has good roots. But that's not what the trunk was made to do. Palm trees are made specifically for that purpose. That's why you find them in tropical areas. That's why you don't find pine trees in tropical areas. Because the palm tree was designed to withstand the storms of life. But the grass... The grass is here today and it's gone tomorrow. You can get grass like that. But you also can, can, can get grass out of your yard in, in just a short amount of time too. Grass, have you ever seen the roots of grass? They're so small. They're tiny. That's why you can pluck up a single blade of grass with just your fingers. There's no strength to them. There's no longevity to them. Sure, it looks pretty. But I'd rather flourish like a palm tree than grass. That just looks pretty. Here today, gone tomorrow, tossed into the oven tomorrow. I'd rather be the strong palm tree that's able to withstand the winds of life. Amen. Wouldn't you? Yeah. Mm, thank you, Lord. So what's the difference between the flourishing of the grass and the flourishing of the palm tree. says, I'll go back, verse seven, when the wicked springs up like grass and when all the workers of iniquity flourish, it is that they may all be destroyed forever. Verse 12, the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree and he shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. What is the difference between those two? Let me ask you, what is the difference between us and them? Strength. Look at verse 10. Verse 10 ties it all together. It says, But my horn you exalted like a wild ox. I have been anointed with fresh oil. My horn you've exalted like an ox. What, what does he mean, my horn? We don't have horns see my a horn was is symbolic for strength it's symbolic for 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 power my strength you have exalted like a wild ox man big wild oxen before that's how people say how are you feeling today oh strong as an ox no you don't you're, you're not as strong as an ox an ox could snap you like that but you say i feel as strong as an ox because that's the figure of speech, that God, he strengthens us and he exalts us like a wild ox because, here it is, I've been anointed with fresh oil. See, the anointing, it's there to prosper you. The word of God is anointed to get you through things. But the anointing is there to strengthen you. It's there to strengthen you. We're we're Christians. We're followers of Christ, and Christ means the anointed one and his anointing. If we're Christians, if we're Christ followers, then we are partakers of the same anointing that was on Christ. That's the difference. That's the difference between us and the world is that we have the anointing. They don't. We, we have the power-up, and they don't. And they don't. We're, we have the anointing. We have the strength that comes with the anointing, and the world doesn't. Once the world's out of strength, guess what? That's it. They, they have no more strength to draw from. Mm. That's why the world likes to introduce these new ideas and philosophies and and. and self-care and their emotional health and all that stuff because they they, what they're really saying is, I can't do it. That's what they're saying. They're saying, I can't do it. I have to to supplement something because I just can't do it anymore. I need to take care of my, my mental health. I needed to, to take care of myself. I'm going to have a self day just to self-love and, and, and take care of me because I, need, I, I just need something, something to strengthen me. They can't do it on their own. I'm not against you needing to get self-help. I believe the best self-help is learning about what God says about you. That's the best self-help you can get. But the, they're there to strengthen you to keep you rejuvenated, to keep you strong, and to keep you going. Mm, Thank you, Lord. Look at it in the Amplified Version. Psalm 92, verse 10. It says, But my horn, emblem of excessive strength and stately grace, you have exalted like that of a wild ox. I am anointed with fresh, oil Mm. I've been anointed with fresh oil someone say fresh. fresh thank you Lord there's something good about that word fresh that's why one of the food companies have it in their slogan Subway eat fresh I don't know about you, but whenever I think of a fresh meal, I always think of a sub-sandwich. Not from Subway, but just a sub-sandwich. I love, I love cold meats and the pickles and the banana peppers and all the vinegar, the salt, the lettuce, the mustard, the mayo, all of it, turkey, salami, provolone. Ugh, I'm getting hungry just thinking about it. Something fresh, like, oh, a fresh meal. I'm not thinking about the... The, the sloppy, wet bean and cheese burrito from El Tarasco. I'm thinking of the fresh, cold, deli sandwich that I can get from one of those places. It's fresh, right? And I think one of them, we just got a new one. What was it? Jersey Mike's. We just got Jersey Mike's. I like Jersey Mike's. And what's what's good about them is that They cut the meats fresh for you right there. They'll they'll slice all the turkey. They'll slice all the cheese. They'll slice everything for you right there when you order. And now Subway's taking on that and doing it fresh for you right there. But the whole purpose of it is because no one wants turkey that's sitting there for six hours. They want it to be cut fresh, right? Well, there's something about freshness that humans gravitate towards. Now, it's just a human nature thing. We always want the freshest thing. We always want the newest thing, right? Just the other day, I went to Costco to get me a new phone. I was going to trade in my phone. They were going to give me like 700 bucks and I can put that towards the new one. And I was going to get the 14 Pro Max, whatever. And it dawned on me that the 15 Pro Max is coming out in like a month or two. And so I was sitting there at Costco thinking, should I, should I do this or should I just wait? Should I just wait for the new phone? So I, I ended up waiting. I have patience. But most people, they just want the newest thing as quickly as they can, Right? They want the brand new stuff right when it comes out, they'll pre-order it, they'll, they'll, they'll do anything. Remember back in the day, people used to camp out at Best Buy for the new Xbox or the new TVs that came out. They'd have these camp tents and they'd, just, they'd be all on the street just waiting for it to open. It's because they want something new. How about a new car? Me and my wife, we have a new car and it, the, the car smells like new cars still and I took it to the car wash, and, and they tried to offer me one of those air scents, and I was like, heck no with that junk. I'm, ex- I'm enjoying the new car smell. It smells great in here. I don't know what they do to it. I, I used to clean cars. and I'm, I can't even make it smell like a new car like that. But there's something about human nature that gravitates towards fresh things. If I had a table set up for you right here, and in one bowl, I had fresh, picked apples from the apple tree right there and they're these beautiful dark red luscious apples that just look shiny and crisp and then i had another bowl of apples that i had i don't know maybe for about six weeks sitting out there and they're good you can still eat them they're not they're not rotten but they've just been here for a couple of weeks and there's a couple of brown spots on them but it's all right Which one would you rather eat the fresh ones the fresh ones that's because there's something about us that just wants something new we want something fresh now there's i don't know if you if you like to go on vacation or where you like to vacation but i like to vacation at the beach i'm a beach guy i like the mountains too it's really pretty up there but i just like the beach Specifically, I like going to Pismo, and I like going to Morro Bay, and there's this one place that my grandfather and I love, and it's Dockside at Morro Bay, and you get to sit there right on the dock, eat this fresh fish that they just caught and cooked. Oh, it's beautiful. And then you have the view of Morro Rock right there, and it's just a beautiful time. The weather is nice and crisp. It's nice and cool. And I love sitting there and eating there because it's just fresh. That when you breathe in, you, you, you can actually breathe, and it, it doesn't clog up your nose. It just feels good to go over there and to feel the crisp air, the nice weather. But then you come back to Visalia, and it's like, <laughs> you're trying to breathe. It's not fresh anymore, right? You, you, can, you can see the haze. You can see the smoke, all the dust from the farmers. You can see all that. There's nothing fresh about the Central Valley. Amen. But I just love a good, fresh environment. Maybe you've, you've rearranged your office like 10 times this year because you just like something fresh, right? you changed your room. You maybe you had your furniture right here, but you just have to move it. And then all of a sudden, it's a brand new room, right? Ever had that experience before? We like things that are fresh. But what happens when the fresh wears off and something stale enters. What happens when that thing that you liked because it was brand new and it was fresh is no longer fresh? Let me ask you this. When are your relationships with your friends, your spouse, your job, when are those relationships the strongest? When they're fresh and new and exciting? Or when they're stale, mundane, and boring? When are they the strongest? When they're fresh. When you're fresh, when, when me and Stephanie first got in, uh, uh, dating, man, it was, it was amazing. Because if you don't know our story, I went after her for years. And she put me in the friend zone for those years and it wasn't until man the Holy Spirit had to work on her because she as she, with her as my witness the only reason why we're together is because of the Holy Spirit telling her that I was going to be her husband so she finally gave in to God and listened to him and took his best here we are married with our baby. But at the beginning of that relationship, it was beautiful. It was, it was always something exciting. We're learning things about each other. Think, I mean, we were friends for years, but we were still learning stuff about each other, right? But there, be, there comes a danger when you're dating or you're in a marriage with someone for so long that it starts to get boring because you're so familiar with them. There's nothing new. Nothing, nothing that you're learning about them. There's nothing that you're doing for the first time again. Everything is just new. You're not, you don't go on that first date ever again, right? You don't have that, that first kiss ever again. You don't hold hands for the very first time ever again. There's, there's, there's not that freshness anymore. And for a lot of people, unfortunately, because that freshness wears off, they call it quits. Yeah. Says, oh, we're just better roommates than we are actually spouses. Okay, well, that's not a reason to divorce, but all right. Now, Stephanie and I, because we were friends first, we were friends for so long, we're still friends today. And I, I don't know about you, but I've never ended a friendship because we would known each other for too long. <laughs> Have you? Yeah. Me and Stephanie, we're best friends. And if, I mean, we still experience new things and we still, I still get butterflies when I see her. And, and just today I took a picture of her on stage because I thought she'd look cute. So me, we still have, have that freshness. And we always will because I have a good mentality about it. She has a good mentality about it. But we're friends. And, and being friends is the best thing ever because it, it, it's, it's just great. If you're not friends with your spouse, I encourage you to be a friend. It's a good good thing to be a friend. But when that freshness wears off and the staleness comes in, the the vulnerability of that, whatever it is, for it to break is higher than if it were were fresh. In Acts chapter 3, Acts chapter 3, this man, the Bible says there was this man who was lame from birth. And he was sitting at the temple gate called Beautiful. And it says he was asking alms. He was asking alms from the people who walked by. <clears throat> it says, now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. Verse 2 says, a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried whom they lay daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. Verse three, who seeing Peter and John go into the temple, asked for alms. So we don't know much about this guy. All we know is that this guy's been crippled. All we know is this guy hasn't been able to do anything. His whole life, it says that that he's been crippled his whole life since his mother's womb, and that disability has developed into poverty in his life. Because of his disability, he's a poverty-man. He doesn't have any money, doesn't have any resources, can't do anything, and he's just sitting there asking people for money. So he sees them, he asks them for alms. Verse 4 fixing his eyes on him with John Peter said look at us so he gave him them his attention expecting to receive something see i don't know what kind of faith was present in this place but this man who had nothing was expecting to receive at least something that's faith I don't know where he was at with Jesus as his Lord and his Savior. All I know is that this man was expecting to receive something. That's it. For some of you, that's all you need. Maybe you've been believing for something for so long. I don't know what it is. All I know is that you just need to expect to receive something. Just something this man was waiting for for Peter to reach into his pocket and grab out a couple of coins and drop it into his little bucket. But this is what Peter says. says, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. So Peter didn't have his, his wallet on him that day. And so instead of giving him money, he gave him what Peter had. Well, what did Peter have? He says, what I have, I give to you. Do you remember what happened in the previous chapter? All of the disciples were in in the upper room, and all of a sudden, there was a a wind that filled the room, and and there was this power that filled all the people who were in the room. That same power that Jesus said in in Acts chapter one, don't leave anywhere until the Holy Spirit and power comes on your life. Then you'll be able to witness all around the world. So this power came into Peter's life. The same Peter that just a few days ago was ashamed of Jesus, denying him three times, ashamed of the man. The same Peter that did that is the same Peter that has the boldness to go about walking throughout the city, healing people, preaching to people, having boldness to preach, even when people told him not to preach or else he'd be thrown in prison. What happened? The anointing. The same anointing, we talked about Saul that changed Saul into a completely different man. The same Saul that was, was shy, and, and when, when Samuel told him, you're going to be anointed, and he said, me, aren't I from the least? I'm just from the tribe of Benjamin. I'm, I'm, I'm from the least of people. How can I be the, the anointed one? The same anointing that transformed that young, shy Saul into the same Saul that went around prophesying and people said, isn't that Saul? Isn't he among the prophets now? That's the same anointing that was on Peter. The same anointing. And it changed Peter into a completely different man. The same anointing that was on Samson. We talked about Samson. How the Bible has no reference to Samson having great strength in his physical body. Not being a big muscle bodybuilder, seven feet tall. and not, He's not Goliath. He was just a man who was filled with the Holy Spirit power anointing that enabled him to go do the great works that he did. Filled with the power. Same anointing. And here's Peter, had that same anointing, but the key was, look at what the man, what what, what the Bible says the man said, or the man was doing. It says, Peter fixed his eyes on him. He said, look at us. So the guy gave him his attention. He looked at him, right in the eyes, expecting to receive something. See, you attend to whatever it is you expect to receive something from. Otherwise, you wouldn't be attending to it. Why would you be wasting your time? You're smarter than that. You can do something else. Why attend to something that we don't expect to receive something from? See, this man was attending because he was expecting. When you attend you can expect. That's why, now listen, hear me out. I'm not against Bible reading plans. I mean, we have one on our website. There's a Bible plan you can read throughout the year. I am against reading it for the sake of reading it. I am against reading it just because you're killing some time. I am against you reading it and then checking off what you read. Because there is no attention when you do that. You're just skimming through, skimming through. Okay, chapter 17, done. All right, chapter 18, done. Okay, got 10 minutes till my show comes on. Chapter 21, done. 24, blah, 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 Okay, done. And you don't retain any information because you're just trying to check something off, right? That's what I'm against when you're doing the reading plans. But when you open your Bible... And you find something in the word that's speaking to you, and you actually attend to it, you now expect to get something out of it. That's how you can keep your relationship with God and your relationship with his word from going stale. Because trust me... I'll be honest with you. I mean, you've been here and I've been here. Sometimes it can get stale. Sometimes there's times where it's like, I'd rather not read it right now. I'd rather do something else. I'd rather go on a walk. I'd rather watch this. There's times in every person's life where at some point it it has the the potential of becoming stale. Oh, Instead of of getting up and praying, I'm just going to sleep in. Instead of, instead of talking to God, instead of listening to worship music, I'm just going to do something else. I'm going I'm to dive into another hobby and, and get distracted. There, there's moments that can happen. There's moments that it has happened in your life. It's happened in my life. And, and when those moments are, are in my life, man, it, it, it sucks. Because there's no, there's no passion. There's no drive. It's just another day but when those when the when the freshness is there oh man i whenever the freshness is there in my life i'm i'm just one thing away from tears all the time there's, there's just a sensitivity that's in my heart that i mean i'll watch i'll watch a dog go lick someone and i'll start crying but the way we prevent that is by attending the bible says attend your ear to my sayings for there is life for those who find it in health to all their flesh when you attend not just read it attend to it in other words get next time you get your bible open it up grab a pen and grab a highlighter expecting to get something out out of it i mean if you're not if you're not taking notes on the bible I mean, how are you receiving? If you're not actually writing stuff down or journaling, I don't know, if you want to journal, journal. If you want to write in your Bible, write in your Bible. I mean, there has been times where my Bible has been so marked up, I've had to get another Bible because I couldn't even read it anymore. But when we attend to his word, we, we, we keep the staleness from going because we're expecting to receive something. Again, Peter says, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have in the name of Jesus Christ I give to you. And he picks him up. It says in verse 6 or verse 7, he took him by the right hand and he lifted him up and immediately, now watch this, his feet and ankle bones received strength. This man was 40 years bedridden, For 40 years, we find out he says that he was lame from his mother's womb. Many people believe that Luke was the one who wrote this in Acts. And Luke was a very, very detailed man. And so he he interviewed people for eyewitness accounts for what he was going to write. And what people believe is that the person he actually interviewed for this story was the lame man himself. And we find out he was 40 years lame. 40 years I can't imagine being not being able to do something for 40 years I'll be honest with you I jacked up my knee last week and it's been hurting like no other and I I I play soccer that way you know how I did it I was playing soccer and I did something stupid and I got hurt because of it and that's what happens when you're stupid but I've had injuries way worse than soccer before. I mean, I've never been on crutches. I've never broken anything, praise God, never will. But I remember when it happened, I couldn't walk. For Ask my mother-in-law, my father-in-law, everyone who saw me the next day, I could not walk. And I was starting to think, oh my goodness, I have another game on Tuesday. It's the finals, I need to get better because I need to play. And for for those two days alone, I was miserable, not because the pain, but because I couldn't walk. I couldn't do anything. I had to depend on someone else to drive me. I couldn't get up and get myself food. I mean, that part was pretty cool because I got food served to me. (laughs) But I couldn't do anything that I was able to do previously. Now I can walk, I can do all these things again, I'm good. But imagine 40 years, this man, no movement. Couldn't get anywhere. Needed to get someone to lift up his mat and carry him to place to place. And for 40 years, a burden was on this man's life. But within one second, the anointing broke the burden. Yes, amen. See, this, doesn't, this tells me it doesn't matter how long you've been suffering for. Once you get the anointing on you, it's gone like that. What, what took this man 40 years to suffer from took the anointing 40 seconds to get rid of. The 40 seconds that it took for Peter to say, look at me, what I do have in the name of Jesus, that was probably 40 seconds. I don't know. But just like that, within a split second, his ankle bones and his feet, what did it do? Received strength. Received strength. So, what, so what this tells me is that there was no other issue in this man's body but weakness. There is no issue that we face in our physical body that doesn't have the root of weakness in it. Everything you face, every heart, my knee, weakness. It's not that I... I it's not the action that hurt my knee. It's the weakness that's now causing me to be hurt is what's hurting my knee. It's the weakness that's, that's in your body. If you, if you have Fibromyalgia, that's weakness in your body. If you have cancer, that's weakness in your cells. And the Bible, God, when he created everything, he created our entire being to be able to make ourselves healed on its own. And when you can't do that, that's a weakness, There's weakness in there. I don't care about your condition. All I know is that there's weakness behind the condition. And we need something to strengthen us. We need something to revive us. We need something to refresh us. And it's the anointing. That's the only thing that can do it. The anointing is the only thing. That's why when you see people who are healing evangelists and they heal people, it's, it's not that they're just summoning a power and boom, they're healed. There's an anointing that brings strength to their weakness. Are you tracking with me? If you keep reading, it says, so Peter saw it, he, uh, he responded to the people because the man, he jumped up and he ran away and, and, was, and he, was, he was telling everybody what just happened. And so Peter saw it. Says, why do you marvel at this, or why do you look so intently at us, as though by our own power or godliness that we made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate, when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and killed the prince of life whom you, whom God raised from the dead and which we are witnesses. Again, this is the same Peter that was so ashamed to know Jesus. The same guy who was afraid to be associated with Jesus is now the guy who's standing in front of all these people. He just has this this impromptu sermon and he's condemning all the people that sentenced Jesus to death. Saying you're the one who sentenced him to death when Pilate was going to let him go. You're the one who killed him. This boldness rose up. It's the anointing. It's the anointing to change you into a different person. Verse 17 says, Yet now, brethren, I know that you did, did it in ignorance and did also your rulers. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all of his prophets that the Christ would, be, would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Repent therefore and be converted. Now, I want you to look at this really closely. Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord if I can have the band come back up repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. See, times of refreshing is supposed to be a current reality as the washing away of our sins. Let me ask you something today. For those of you who who, who know my teachings and know what I what I preach on, answer this. Who's in here with sin this morning? as a believer, you repented, your sins have been blotted out. As he is, so are we in this world. Yeah, you, you physically may have sinned. You may have thought something. I'm not talking about your physical being. I'm talking about your spiritual being, the most important part of you. You don't have sin in your body. That is a current reality. Amen? So who's in here with sin this morning? There we go. That's a current reality that all Christians live with. Regardless if they know it or not, that's a reality. Times of refreshing should be just as real as that. Now, if I, I'm not going to ask to put your hand up, but if I were to ask you, who needs to be refreshed today? See, that, that's something that we need to be experiencing. We shouldn't be going on these, these, these long droughts and then get refreshed. Refreshing is a reality every day. It should be something that God's doing in our life every day. Something that we are attending to every day. I don't know if you have this um, in this version in Acts 3.20 it says then the time will come oh perfect when the Lord will give you fresh strength he will send you Jesus his chosen Messiah times of refreshing fresh strength fresh strength I asked you earlier when is a relationship strongest is it when it's fresh or when it's stale when it's fresh Freshness brings strength. See, if you're sick in your body, if your relationship's falling apart, if your finances aren't where they're supposed to be, they're all a root from weakness. And you need a fresh strength in them. Your body, if it's sick, needs a fresh strength. To it, autoimmune diseases; those are diseases where your body it can it doesn't know which cells or which bacterias are bad ones, and so it just attacks everything. It doesn't know what to do. It's weak. You need strength in your cells. You need strength in your body. If your relationships on the verge of of, of crumbling, you don't you don't need another marriage counseling session. You don't need another this. You don't need it. All you need is something to strengthen that bond again. A fresh strength. The man at the gate was expecting to receive something. You attend to that which you expect to receive from. Mm. See, if you ever notice something about fresh things they can only be fresh once, right? That bowl of apples, it's only gonna be fresh once. Eventually, it's gonna become that six-week-old bowl of apples, right? That new car, it smells great. Eventually, it's not gonna smell so great. That leather, the plastic, the, the whatever it is that makes the smell, gonna go away and you're gonna to have to start putting artificial smells in there and pina colada and the fake new car smell but the freshness is gonna be gone right only the anointing has the ability to refresh to refresh. In Psalm chapter 119, verse 25, the longest book in the Bible, a lot of time it talks about this refreshedness, this, this reviving. It says, my soul clings to the dust. What is that? It's death. My soul clings to death. Revive me according to your word. Revive me. That word revive in the dictionary just means to bring back to life or or consciousness. To become active or flourishing again. Revive me according to your word. Bring me back to life is what he's saying. So let me say this. There is some of you who've been... You've been dealing with something in your body. You've been dealing with something mentally. There's just been something going on in your life for a long period of time. The Bible says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. In other words, when you haven't seen what you're believing to see happen for a very long time, your heart starts to stop believing what you were believing. It makes the heart sick. And so there's been people like this man who's been years, 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 been unable to do what they want to do with their body unable to to live how they want to do how they want to live and i really feel like the lord put on my heart says saying that there are there are in those moments you have the mentality of i just can't wait to get to heaven i just can't wait to get to heaven where there's no more pain no more suffering everything will be perfect be with Jesus it'll be a glorious day and that it will be it will be that is the hope it will be a great day it will be amazing to be in heaven with our creator to be in heaven with Jesus take all of our tears away no more sadness no more sorrows but when we are going through things in life that have been afflicting us and we start to say I just can't wait to get to heaven You're making death your savior. You're making death your savior. Meaning the only way I will be freed from whatever I'm experiencing right now is if I died and go to heaven. Death has become your savior. And who's our savior? Jesus so that's why I'm I am I am so strong on what I believe that when Jesus came to save us to save the world to offer salvation it does not just simply mean going to heaven it's being saved here on earth it's having a heaven on earth reality It's being able to walk in divine health. It's being able to walk in perfect mental health. Amen? Not being able to sit there and say, I can't wait to die and go to heaven and be perfect. There's been people who who have wished that. And sadly, they go. They sadly leave this earth prematurely because there's no more hope. the reality is you could die right now and you'll feel a lot better on the other side than you're doing right now. That's the reality. But the other side of the reality is that we need you here. We need you here and the anointing that's on you here. Do you understand that? Paul, there's many times where Paul said, I mean, to to live is is... To live as Christ and to die as gain. I'd, be, I'd rather be in heaven than to be here on earth. But then he says, it is needful for me to be here for you. So I will stay here. Man, Paul, he, this, this guy, I don't know what he was going to do. He was just going to fly up to heaven. He's like, I guess I'll stay here. That's the mentality we should have. If, if you're on your deathbed, if you're someone watching online and you're on your deathbed and and you're fighting for your life, you need to have the mentality of, I'm needed here more than I'm needed there. Never buy the lie, the stupid lie, from ignorant people that say God needed them in heaven more than he needed him on earth. That is stupidity and ignorance from the mouths of devil speaking people. That's not true. God does not need anybody in heaven. That's why he created the earth. That's why he's still repopulating the earth. That's why he hasn't shut up all the wombs in the world and no one ever is born again uh, naturally. He needs us here. He'll get us. He needs us here right now. He's not that jealous and selfish to say, oh, I, I just can't stand to be without him. I need him up here with me. He needs you here. And the quicker you can realize that there's a refreshing available to you to stay here, to have a hope for here. You need to have something that's set in front of you. Jesus says, In Hebrews, it says that Jesus was able to endure the cross by the joy that was set before him. You need to have something set before you for you to be able to stay here. Mm. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Why don't you stand to your feet this morning? Thank you, Lord. Thank you father if you if you're in here today and and you need you need to revive in your heart you need something to come back alive on the inside of you just lift up your hand we'll pray right now whether it's physically emotionally relationally you need to revive something to just revive in your life to bring back to life to to bring back to consciousness, to, to give life into it again, a refreshing from the anointing that's already here in our life. We'll just raise our hand. Maybe your relationship with the Lord is stagnant right now. I've been there. We've all been there. The good news is there's, there's better on the other side if you stay with it. Father God, we just pray right now. We just thank you for your Holy Spirit on the inside of us. We thank you for the anointing that's on us, the anointing that lifts the burden and destroys every single yoke in Jesus name. We thank you that that is on our life, that is over us Father, and that there is nothing on this or on this world, in this world that can take and remove that anointing that you've placed on us, Father. And so right now you see the hands, you see the people, that are here here today, the people who are watching online, Father, who need a revival in their heart, something to come back alive, a spark, a strength to come back into their heart. Father, right now, we just touch them in Jesus' name. We just speak your anointed word over them in Jesus' name. That whatever it is they're dealing with, Father, that strength will come. That strength from the inner man will start to come and be manifested on the outward father whether it's physically lord that strength will rise up in their bones strength will rise up in their muscles in their cells in their digestion in their brain whatever it is father that strength will come in jesus name the anointing is on us lord the anointing is on your children to revive us to bring us back to life father spiritually physically financially relationally And Lord, for anyone who who is here with maybe a broken relationship or a, a relationship that needs restoring, a relationship that needs repairing, Father, we just pray right now that strength will come, that strength will build up, Lord, that they will receive a freshness, Father, by attending, by expecting to receive something from you. God, we just give you all the glory. And we give you all the praise for these things, Lord, that you're going to do in our life, that you have done in in our life, Father. The things that are coming in the future, the things that are here right now, we just give you all the praise and all the glory. We magnify you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Give the Lord a hand, clap of praise one more time. Thank Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hey, well... I don't want to keep any longer. I'll just do a couple of announcements. We have small groups starting up uh, August 30th. So if you want to sign up for those, you can sign up in the back at the welcome booth. And they'd be happy to help you at the end of there. If you want prayer for anything, if you need prayer for your physical body, uh, if you need prayer for a loved one, if you want to receive Jesus as your savior or receive baptism of the Holy Spirit, We'd love to pray with you at the end of service, so come on up and we'll pray with you at the end before you leave. Until I see you guys again though, I bless you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I pray that whatever you set your hands to do will prosper in Jesus' name. That you remember you're the head and not the tail. You are up front and not lagging behind. You are above always and never beneath in Jesus' name. I pray you continue living in the victory and remember you are always welcome here in our family of faith. God bless you guys. We'll see you again real soon.